0: The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. And uh, this is kind of a funny thing for you guys to know, so um, every single year, uh, when I've given a life training talk, this room is always set up super fancy. It's just, it's literally for the last three years, um, it's always like super set up and super fancy and I feel like it kind of describes me because I'm <laughs> really, I am really high ask That's my wife. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you might see on page 87 that the title is Gospel Established Relationships but we're actually not gonna be talking <coughs> about relationships today, really sorry. Uh, We're going to be talking about finances instead. Sorry if that disappoints you. But relationships will come next week. Uh, I just want to extend a a welcome to families in the room. Ari kind of mentioned it already, but we're really glad you guys are here. Thanks for coming. Um, So, uh, like I said, today we're going to be talking about finances. And so uh, what I wanted to actually start with is for you guys to write down a question uh, at the top of your page that I want you to answer. How do you view money? So just take a minute or two and and jot down what comes to mind when you think about money. All right, Um, I think that uh, that Uh, Answer could have been answered a lot of different ways uh, for when you think about money. Um, Because I I really think that even in a room like this, uh, people have really varying degrees and views of money, depending on how you grew up. Uh, Some of you in this room... Hey, guys, come on in. Um, Some of you in this room have uh, never really gone without. Um, You are used to um, having... A home, uh, having food. Uh, I mean, you have never really questioned like where your next meal is going to come from. You've never questioned like (laughs) where you're going to sleep. Um, And honestly, like, and I don't mean this in a super negative way, but I mean Lucas mentioned this on Friday that uh, at times uh, some of the people in this room I think have been struggling with working at Walmart. And so some of you maybe have come into project um, feeling entitled, uh, and so working at Walmart feels like kind of a burden, um, and it doesn't feel like a blessing to have a job. It feels more like, oh, I've got to work at Walmart. Uh, and then I think there are other people in this room have, are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, that you have um, at times been experiencing homelessness. Um, I know stories in this room of that. There, there are people in this room have, that have actually wondered where their next meal is coming from, and there are people in this room that working at Walmart is like a huge blessing because they, they've got a job. and so. Um, I, I feel like personally, I've been on the end of the spectrum where I've, I'm used to getting things. Like I can talk about the kind of being high maintenance, but I don't, I don't even mean that as like a joke. I really feel like really blessed in the way, in the way that I grew up. Um, and so I just want that to be a little bit of like the lens that you guys know that that's what I'm sharing from. Because I think that this talk, I would love to hear a talk from someone about finances that's actually experienced um, going... Uh, without that's who someone who's their, their view of finances would be totally different than mine And so I'm gonna be speaking from a lens of someone that has been more privileged uh, and so uh, Not that what I'm gonna share um, couldn't be helpful, but I just think um, I Think that we need to remember in general. I think in general this room is gonna lean more on the end of um, experiencing uh, the things that we want and getting what we want um, and, and being privileged even just in the country that we live in. Uh, and so, but in other places in the world, uh, the lens would be totally different as we think about finances. So I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll dive in. God, I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful for uh, just the fact that we are here this summer. I thank you for the families that are here. Um, and I just uh, pray that this morning we would feel uh, a sense of weightiness uh, as we think about finances and money because money really reveals a lot of, of our heart and reveals our view of the world and our view of you and so I just pray that um, anything that I say that's not helpful and that's not of you would fall away and um, the, the words that I'm sharing would would be of you and I pray that we would all together feel a collective sense of um, how, how important this topic is to you and I just pray this can in Jesus' amen. Uh, so some of you might be asking why are we talking about money why are we talking about finances well the Bible talks about finances more than 2,000 times so I think that if the Bible thinks that finances are important I think we should think it's important as well and uh, specifically with money I think at times we can tend to think of money specifically as an external thing we look at how are we spending our money externally but the Bible describes money in, in such a deeper way because it talks about money not just externally but internally as well and the bible is so much more concerned with the grip that money has on our hearts uh and so i think that before we talk about the way that we're spending our money before we talk about externally we should think about uh it internally and so just an example of what maybe a right heart or a wrong heart could look like that you can't see um can we read the verse from matthew 6 1 through 4 So what that verse is saying is somebody could be really generous for the sake of being seen by others. Somebody could be really generous and spend their money in a way that looks really generous, but their heart behind that is just to be seen. Uh, and there could be somebody on the other end of the spectrum that is really generous, but we just don't see it. And so we might assume that someone's stingy. We might assume that someone isn't giving, but we just aren't seeing it. And so. Uh, the Bible is a lot more concerned b- b- with our motivations for how we spend our money than how we're spending our money. If that makes sense, uh, let's read another verse. It, Matthew six twenty four from the same chapter. Uh, the, uh, Jesus says, "No one can serve two masters, for he will either so for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." This verse uh, actually is kind of sobering because uh, of all the masters that could be addressed, money is, is the one that's addressed and compared to you can't, you can't serve both God and money. It's either one or the other. Uh, but what exactly does it mean that we could be serving money? I think Jesus is referring to idolatry. I think that serving money is, is uh, essentially making money to be an idol. Uh, and it could be something we serve or worship just like uh, a God Himself, uh, and in the Old Testament, and even in modern cultures where idol worship is still present, I mean, a lot of places in the world, people are still worshiping idols, uh, like physical idols. In the U.S., I mean, we might not have physical idols, but idol—the uh, idol of money—is very prevalent in our culture. Uh, but idols are always a means to an end. So what that means is we're not necessarily worship—we're not worshiping money for the sake of. Money. We're worshiping money for what money can give us. So that's a, a distinction. So we don't we don't serve money. We don't worship money because of money itself. We worship money because of what money can give us. For example, um, just other examples other than money. I mean, uh, uh, if you believe it, that God is just a God of health, um, you may might believe that if I just serve Him, then He'll heal me. Um, and God at times will will say say that he might heal you, but he might not. And so uh, another example could be a goddess of fertility might have supposed authority over crops. And so if you worship the goddess of fertility, you're you're expecting to have your crops improve. Uh, And so, yeah, with money, we're not, I mean, nobody would say that, hey, I'm worshiping these dollar bills, but it's what the dollar bills can give us. And so uh, I just want to look at a few ways that I think that we, look to money to satisfy a desire of ours and then i want to um, interject the ways that really what the better way is in worshiping god and so um, that's where we're going to go so i have three points uh, the first is that we use money as a means to happiness so what i mean by that is we we think money is going to make us happy uh, let's look at a verse from matthew six, nineteen to 21 Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, Jesus is addressing that uh, people are laying up for themselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And I think that when we uh, lay up a treasure here on Earth, we really think that, that whatever we're treasuring is that's what's going to make us happy. Uh, and whatever we spend our money And I think that really reveals what we treasure the most. I have to say that again. Whatever we spend our money on reveals what we treasure most. For example, um, I think we, we can believe that if I spend my money and get a, a better phone, then I could take better pictures, then I could um, be able to uh, be happier because my phone would be better quality. That's just one example. If, if we believe, if, if we could travel somewhere cool and post it on Instagram, that's something that I struggle with, then then we'll be happy. Uh, if, if we could get the latest outfit, if, if we can um, get the latest name brand, then we'll be happy. If we could get the latest gaming system, then we'll be happy. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Of, of ways that we want our money to, <laughs> to get us the latest thing, and we really think that that's gonna make us happy, but it never does, because as soon as you get the latest thing, somebody else has something that's newer, and, and it'll just keep get, get going deeper and deeper, and we'll never actually <laughs> have the latest thing. Um, I just want to show you guys a, an interview. Do you guys, everybody know who Mike Posner is? Okay, so Mike Posner's first like big hit, Cooler Than Me, uh, became popular when I was in college, and then he, he wrote a song I, I took a pill in Ibiza when you guys are in college and uh he just talks a little bit about that what that experience is like for him so we're going to watch uh, just an interview about um that yes okay uh, i get along with old timers with the names a reminder of a pop song people forget you know i released a song called cooler than me when I was in my early 20s and it, it garnered a lot of critical acclaim and, and popularity and I rode that wave and then the wave crashed. Nothing. There was no follow-up song. I tried, but there was no. And so it was about the disillusionment that goes with achieving all your goals and then realizing that they don't make you feel as good as you thought they would. So if you're not supposed to get money and thing notoriety, like we're all running around trying to get, what are you supposed to do with your 80 to 100 years on Earth? That's the question. We and that's what keeps a for girl no the I think it's really interesting that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> start that for next week, for really... <laughs> uh, I think it's really interesting that he says, uh, that there's a disillusionment that comes with getting all these things and then he's like well and then what? I, I had it all and then what? And it, this is a non-Christian saying that it's a disillusionment and I mean there are so many examples of famous people that I mean if you guys know who Winona Ryder is like she's pretty well off and she was caught shoplifting like 10 years ago and it's like why would anyone want to do that like if they're sad she's just not satisfied with, with what she has um, and so uh, money can't get us happiness. Uh, number two, I think that we believe um, that money, we use money as a means to be accepted by people. And, and what I mean by acceptance is status. It's, it's what um, we have compared to other people. And so I think that more than just wanting the latest outfit, more than just wanting the latest gaming system or being able to travel somewhere for the sake of enjoying it for ourselves. We really want to compare ourselves with other people and we want to have what's better than somebody else. Uh, I think um, we, we want to be a part of the in-crowd. And uh, for example, I mean, in every sphere of life there is an in-crowd. Um, I mean, so how to dif- how I would differentiate that is there are clearly defined groups but then there's an in-crowd. For example, like. At project, there are teams, people in your room, uh, maybe your dorm at school. Those are the clearly defined groups, and everybody is in a clearly defined group. But then there's the in crowd, so or the click, and so uh, that's what people really want to be a part of. The click is is like really um, essentially like. I mean, at project, there's a group of people that hang out because they just they enjoy each other, and so somebody on the outside wants to be a part of that. It's not so much people are looking in and saying, "I really want to be a part of that team," or "I really want to be in that room." They say, "I really want to be part of that group of friends." Uh, and I think that all of life, we have that. All of life, we 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 are trying to use money as a, as a means to be accepted by people because we think if we have the latest things, if we have what those people have then we could be accepted. Uh, but the reality is if our main goal is to be accepted by other people and, and we're using money to get there, we're never gonna feel accepted enough. The, the very, um, I mean, C.S. Lewis talks about this in an article called The Inner Ring, but the very essence of an inner ring is the people are in it because of what they're enjoying. And they're not, they're not thinking about, I'm so enjoying be a part, being a part of this in crowd. It's, they just enjoy the people that are in the crowd with them. And so if you're if you're seeking to be a part of uh, an in-crowd just for the sake of being in the crowd, you're gonna get bored of the people that are in it and you're gonna move on to the next one. It's the same, you're just never gonna be happy. You're never gonna feel accepted enough. There's always gonna be a, a more popular crowd. There's always gonna be a better status you could achieve. And, and when we're just constantly seeking to be accepted, uh, we're never gonna feel like we're in. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think um, money is a really, um, it, money is often used by us to, to gain acceptance from people. And then third, I think we use money as a means to get security. And I, and I would say that in one sense, we all as a human being long to have our needs met. Food, shelter, clothing our basic human desires and needs. And, and I don't think that that's bad. But the reality is that there is no promise that we will get those things. There's no promise that our money is gonna be there tomorrow. Um, I mean, I said this earlier, but the majority of the people in this room have have never experienced going without. There are some that have. Uh, But most of us have never questioned where we're going to sleep, what what we're going to eat. But people in other places in the world or other social classes, uh, other time periods, have asked this question a lot. Like, where is my next meal going to come from? Where am I going to sleep? What am I going to wear? But the Bible has something to say to this. It's James 4, um, 14, and 15. And it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I think this verse is really helpful because so often we think we have such control over our lives and we think we have such control over the money we're going to make. And we really think that if if we make money and we feel secure, uh, then we're good. Uh, but there's really, I mean, the Bible speaks to this. Like, you can go on with your day. And I mean, maybe in America, we do have a greater control than the other people in the world over ha- having our basic needs met, yes. But there's still no promise that that's gonna be there tomorrow. The, start, the stock market could crash. I mean, people, the, the roaring 20s were great. And in 1929, the stock market crashed. People lost everything. Uh, and that could easily happen tomorrow. We, we don't know. There's no promise. Uh, so if, those are just three examples that I think we can use money as a means to get um, happiness, acceptance, and security. But I, I really think that um, the Bible offers something so much better. And I, I do want to say something first before I transition into to how God offers us those, those things in himself. That... Um, I'm not saying that the desire for uh, happiness, acceptance, or security is a bad thing. I just want to be clear about that because I think so often we can get so focused on the desire being bad, but it's not the desire that's, that's bad or sinful, it's the way that we go about finding that. So if you, if you get anything from this talk, um, the, it's not our desires that are bad, it's our, it's our strategies that are bad and how we get those desires. And so, um, I just want you guys to think about this for a second. Um, ask yourself why. Maybe of those three things, what do you struggle with? Um, just take a minute to think about this, or why? Why do you go to money, and what do you believe money will give you? So just think about this for a second. You can maybe write down a thought, but why? What do you believe money will give you, and why do you go to it? Just think about that for a minute. What are you desiring? What are you longing for? I'm not sure what you guys wrote or which of the three things that I haven't shared you relate with most I would say that for myself uh, the most often thing that I would struggle with would be acceptance and I mean Ari Anna shared this this morning I mean today's Father's Day and uh, today is actually a pretty hard day for me like I don't have a relationship with my dad well I actually I didn't have a relationship with my dad and then for the first time in eight years I spoke to him a couple weeks ago um, which I feel really thankful for actually and I think there's some redemption happening but I think that for my whole life, I have felt like my dad doesn't accept me, my dad doesn't want me. And so money has been a way for me to try to achieve acceptance or status before people, to try to prove that I have something that I, I never felt like I got from my father. Um, and so I just wonder for you guys what, what you could be using money for, um, or desiring money for, believing that money could give you. And maybe it's not even one of the three things that I said, but I think that all of us could relate with at least one of them. But the Bible says that God offers us um, all of those things in himself. So number one, God offers us joy. Uh, You can turn to the next slide. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I, I changed it from happiness to joy because... We're not, in a sense, promised that we're gonna be happy. Um, I don't think joy is just being happy. Joy is, is happiness in a much deeper sense, and it's unchanging. And it doesn't say that God promised us to give us joy and leave it at that. He says he promises to give us joy in himself, that in his presence there is fullness of joy. Uh, because yeah, money can come and go. Uh, money might be there today, it might be gone tomorrow, but God is always with us, and God is here. And he'll be here forever. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Now, number two, God offers us unconditional acceptance. Um, you can turn to the next slide. We want to read that Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And I just really liked those words, holy and blameless and above reproach. The fact that we can be viewed as holy and blameless before a God who is holy and blameless. Like, that should blow our minds. Like, God, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, like, you are viewed as holy and blameless, fully accepted. He knows every single evil deed, every single ugly thought that you've had. Even this morning, last night, since you've been at Project, he, God sees every one of those things that you try to hide and by trusting in Jesus Christ you're viewed as perfect and I just think that that is amazing and money can't give us that there's no promise that if you get the latest thing people are going to accept you because you're going to find somebody else that has something better and people are going to and if you're like I said earlier the more we try to get acceptance from people the more we feel like we're not accepted but God is saying hey I just love you because I love you no ifs, ands, or buts about it I just I love you <laughs> and that's really sweet number three god offers us security let's turn to that hebrews passage hebrews 13 5 and 6 says keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said i will never leave you nor forsake you so we can confidently say the lord is my helper i will not fear what can man do to me and i I think it's really cool because the bible doesn't just leave it at hey keep your life free from the love of money because that would feel pretty discouraging if it just was like hey this is the command you need to stop loving money. And I think that at times we can get focused on not loving money. But the rest of that verse says, because I will never leave you nor forsake you. We, we have a God who doesn't just tell us what not to do. He tells us why not, why not to do something because he fulfills that longing that we so badly want. Uh, and I think that's a really encouraging promise. And then last, number four, um, which I didn't have for under money, but I have a fourth one, is that God promises us, gra- promises us grace. Um, and I, I think that this is really significant because we have all failed a lot in this room in how we spend our money and how we view money. And thankfully, God is a, a personal God who relates to us and gives to us freely, not based on what we do for him. Uh, because if, if God gave us things based on what we did, we would all be in hell. <laughs> if God gave us um, things based on our um, performance, we would fail. We are, because we fail. Uh, and yet God loves to give to us freely. Um, Romans 8.32 says, uh, For he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I think that's a really sweet promise as well because um, God gave up the one he loved the most. He gave up his son, Jesus, um, for people that have rejected him, for people that have failed him. And so how would he not graciously give us all things? And a lot of times I think we focus on the all things, but I think that word graciously really stands out to me because graciously means he's not giving it to us based on who we are, just based on who he is. He's a giver who he just loves to give good things. He loves to give us things freely. Um, And then if you guys remember Reed's talk from two weeks ago, uh, he talked about the rich young ruler. I don't have that on the screen. You can write down Luke 18 if you want under this point. Uh, but basically, in that in that passage, uh, uh, we, we learn that this is an impossible task, that it's impossible to give up everything for the sake of being a Christian or for the sake of Jesus. It's impossible to be generous enough. It's impossible to not love money in and of ourselves. We need God to change our hearts. And so that's why I said God offers us grace because I feel like walking away from a talk like this could feel really convicting, which I do want us to feel convicted. I felt really convicted preparing for this talk because I'm like, I, don't, I have not been viewing money in the way that I should be. But uh, the, the sweet thing is it is impossible for us to change our view of money with, without God's help. And so uh, I just want us to feel that. And so I just want to end uh, with a few practicals of what this could look like. And so uh, number one, uh, I think it would be thankfulness. I think I have a First Timothy passage up there. Do I not have it? Okay, so you can just write down First Timothy 6, six through 10 as a reference for this, but thankfulness really kills covetousness. If we're thankful for the things that we have and what, what we've been given, uh, it, it, it prevents us from coveting what other people have and longing to have what other people have. So number one would be thankfulness. Uh, number two generosity Uh, so once again this is a a heart thing because you could like I read in that earlier passage you could be giving in a way that may may appear really generous but what we really need to examine is how we're spending the money that we're not giving not just the money that we're giving but what what are we spending our money on that we're not giving and, and I think specifically, I mean, okay, so actually I didn't even mention this for thankfulness. First of all, first project, thankfulness, be thankful for your job at Walmart. There are so many people in this world, in, the, in this country, that would be so grateful to have a job. And you literally didn't have to do anything to get that job. And so be thankful for it. Number two, with generosity, I think if you have raised a lot of overage this summer, um, I would say consider just giving some of that to somebody else on project who wasn't able to raise that. Because some people in this room... We're not, did not grow up in a Christian homes. Some people in this room don't have the access that a lot of us have to people that wanna give. And, and so just consider uh, asking people, hey, is there, or asking the staff or the finance interns, hey, who are the people at Project that um, are really short? And would you guys consider uh, supporting them? And then third, which rela- this relates to generosity, but sacrificial giving. Like what I said, it's, it's how are we spending the money that we're uh, not giving because we might think, hey, we're really generous, but then we spend 90% of our income on what's going to benefit us. I feel like I struggle with this because I'm like, oh, I am giving, but then, so then I feel entitled to just spend the rest of my money however I please. But, but really, if we're going to give sacrificially, like, it should hurt. It should prevent us from being able to do other things. Like, in order to give sacrificially, we have to say no to other things. So number three would be sacrificial giving. Four would be steward steward our money, make wise decisions. Uh, this relates to Anne's talk from last week and being a steward of creation. I think also specifically being a steward of the money that we are given. So uh, if, if we... For example, and maybe if you're on the other end of the spectrum, uh, so maybe some of you have raised your support and and really been diligent, and I just want to say I'm really glad that you guys did raise your support, but then there are other of you on the opposite end of the spectrum that haven't really put the work in, but then you get your paycheck at Walmart and you just spend it however you please. And I would say that's not being a a steward of your money either because uh, we have to make wise decisions with our money that we're given, and so we we can't just expect um, to just spend our money however we please. I think we, being a steward is evaluating, hey, how much am I saving? How much am I spending on fun? How much am I giving? Uh, and and I, I just wanna be really careful. I'm not saying that spending your money on yourself or spending your money on having fun is a bad thing. It just It's, it's more of our heart behind it and it's, it's how are we spending our money in general? Because uh, there's a really, really good book that I would recommend to you guys that's kind of the opposite of what I just said about uh, stewardship. Oh not really the opposite, but it's called Things of Earth by Joe Rigney. I would really recommend you guys reading it, so write that down. Read the book Things of Earth, and he talks about uh, what it looks like to enjoy the things of earth to the glory of God, and so I don't want you guys to walk away from this talk thinking, okay, now I can't go to movies or I can't go out to eat. That's not not my point, um, because these are really heart matters, but I do think we need to be stewards of the money that we're given uh and there are two two last things that i think are going to help us do the first four and number five is accountability because we need help in this uh we we a lot of times can only see through one lens when we when we try to manage our own money but uh i think having someone else help us in the way that we're spending our money and asking hey how do you spend your money how do you think about your money is going to be really helpful uh and this might be kind of uncomfortable, but would you be willing to have someone look at your bank statement? Would you be willing to have someone look at how you've spent your money over the last month? Uh, because that that seems uncomfortable, but that could actually be a way for us to really see what we value. And uh, I think that accountability is something that we really lack in this area. I think uh, so often we talk about um, the lust in accountability or... Uh, pride, comparison. I mean, there are so many different things that I think we talk about with our friends when we when we get together and one want accountability, but this is an area that we don't ever talk about. Yet the Bible talks about it over 2,000 times, so I think that we're missing something in our accountability when we don't talk about our money and how we're spending it. And then last, I would say prayer. Uh, praying for our hearts to change and praying to have thankfulness and generosity in our hearts because, like I said earlier, this is an impossible task. We we literally cannot make ourselves be generous because we are so <coughs> naturally selfish. And so uh, I would say <laughs> of all the the practicals, prayer it would be the most significant. Like if you guys would walk away from this talk just asking God to change your heart and asking him to give you a heart that's generous and thinks about money in a way that honors him would be a huge win. So... Um, With that said, uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be done. God, I'm so thankful for um, the fact that you're so gracious and that you promise to fulfill our deepest longings and desires in yourself. And I just ask that every single one of us in this room would feel sobered to the reality of money and that this is a significant issue and that money, how we spend our money reveals what we treasure and where our heart's at. And yet, I'm thankful for the grace that you give us. That it isn't based, our relationship with you isn't based on how much we give away or how much we um, keep, but that you uh, are so gracious to us. And so, I do pray, though, that, that we would see that you've been so generous to us. And I pray that that would motivate us to be generous with our money and, and not to idolize money, not to believe that money's going to give us acceptance, happiness, and security, that those things can only be ultimately found in you. And so I just pray that we walk away from this feeling encouraged, not, not guilty, um, because guilt never leads to anything. So I just pray that we would feel encouraged and yet convicted to, to think about these things more. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I think that's everything. So ready. Good. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.